0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, and a big thanks to Kush's Bayou Rouge, who allows us to bring this program your way, commercial-free. In business over 16 years here in Tallahassee, tabbed Best of Tallahassee by Tallahassee Magazine, four straight years, Tommy, and six out of the last seven. And i got to set the record straight here, so I married into uh, somebody from New Orleans, Outkicked my coverage, as many of us did. It's
1: not about temperature. Is that where you're going?
0: It, it is, because I think there's a, a misnomer out there that Cajun food means it's hot, and it doesn't. What it means is it's flavorful, and it's doggone good. And trust me, I spent a lot of time, because of said wife, Laura, who is from New Orleans, uh, at Kusha's Bayou Rouge. So I encourage you guys to do the same, and uh, they're open seven days a week. Have breakfast uh, Wednesday through Sunday. I get there often with my son, Garrett. You should go as well. Make it a Sunday staple. That's what the uh, FSU football coaching staff has done. matter of fact, Cush's caters for the coaching staff uh, every Sunday during this football season they break down the tape and get set for uh, the next opponent. So, again, thanks to Cush's. They are on Thomasville Road on the west side just past Cary Forest. Now, with that said, here's Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday.
2: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles Seminal Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles Seminal Sunday. Ever since we changed the title, Keith, we're uh, 0-2. We may
1: have to rethink this. We may have
0: to rethink this, but uh, nevertheless, we're here as therapy for the next hour. And this one's going to be tough. Uh, A 21-day break. You didn't know if rust or rest would be better in this scenario. We did know NC State was going to be a good football team. It just felt like Florida State could never get control of the game. They were within a score most of the way. Even when NC State got it to two, Florida State got it back to one score but couldn't get over the hump.
1: Uh, And exactly that. That's how Jimbo categorized it in his post-game comments. The inability to get over the hump. First couple of series, you looked like a team that had not played a ball game in 21 days and was starting a freshman quarterback. But after that, Uh, I thought the offense perked up. They began to perform well from a statistical standpoint through the first half. Uh, They had outgained NC State. They had time of possession. We'd seen Blackman throw the ball pretty well. We'll talk more about the offense in particular in in another segment. But he finished that first half 15-20 passing. Uh, Tate had a great first half catching the ball. You thought like things would pick up and the momentum would be just enough, but uh, they really did Florida State stumble there at the closing moments of the second quarter, uh, much like they did in the Alabama game, and though you can't point to any one thing as being a reason for defeat, that certainly began what ended up in the second half, being the inability to catch up.
0: Well, you had that swing right there where you're kicking a field goal to tie the game, you miss it, and the next series, a couple plays later, a 70-yard pass makes it 17-7, just like you had a field goal to tie it at 10-10 against Alabama, so that's a good parallel right there. You also had, uh, you, you did have a team that that fought to the end, but the defense could not get the key stops. I mean, this is an NC State team that likes to, like any team, be in front of the change. They had third and nine or longer several times, and I don't have those metrics in front of me. And they were able to convert some third and longs at, at times that wound up. Spilling the time of possession heavily in their favor.
1: Whatever the number of conversion was, particularly in the second half, uh, you got to take your hat off to the Wolfpack because they did what they had to do on third down to keep possession and keep those chains going. And I think one of the parallels, Tommy, we don't like to talk about, is this NC State offense goes up against this NC State defense every day in practice, and when time comes to control the clock and make some big plays, if this offense is able to do it against their own, then. They're they're much able, much better able to do it against the others. And that's exactly what happened to Florida State. Uh, the, the, this offense for the Wolfpack did exactly what it needed to do when it needed to do it in order to leave Tallahassee with a victory.
0: Well, and Jimbo talks a lot about situational football. And as I look at it, you look at the red zone scoring, and NC State was four for four and FSU was five out of six. But it's misleading because FSU settled for four field goals there, and NC State got some touchdowns, uh, certainly more than what Florida State does did. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you could point a lot of different directions, but that's a big one. Sitting
1: about halfway through the third quarter, maybe five minutes left in the third quarter, I'm thinking, you know, this game could end up being like uh, the old Miss game last year, where Aguayo ends up with what six six field goals, I think, in that contest. But FSU was able to do enough offensively to pull out the victory in that opening game last year. Uh, that just wasn't the case in this particular ball game for whatever reason. Again, repeating ourselves, uh, Florida State wasn't able to find that extra play that extra whatever uh, to get them over that hump and as a result uh, NC State showed why they're they're three and one and why the ACC
0: is a much different conference than we thought about it uh, five and ten and 20 years ago. And for Florida State, you're now at the point where you've got to reevaluate, reassess. Now, Jimbo will preach uh, one game at a time. I mean, that's all you can do. But for this team to be 0-2 that started preseason number three, uh, and here is where you are, obviously the hurricane, you couldn't have predicted that, but that took you out of rhythm too, uh, it's going to be a climb back. Certainly there are reasons why, not excuses. But legitimate reasons
1: why Florida State is sitting at zero and two. You mentioned the hurricane, and uh, I don't care what you said. These are eighteen to twenty-two year old kids, and and many of them are from South Florida. Their their parents, their grandparents, their families were in harm's way. Um, It was necessary and appropriate that time was taken for them to to, uh, uh, focus on that. To whatever degree they could help out, they could. But certainly, you would take your mind off of football, getting re-energized, get your mind back to football after a 21 day layoff not done in recent history in Florida State, uh, uh, you know, annals, so as a result of that, and then with with Francois going down and you having to start a true freshman, we talked about uh, Chip Ferguson was the last true freshman to start, but that was the last game of the year. That was the bowl game. You know, you'd played 10 or 11, 12 games, uh, regardless of how much time Chip had gotten, he'd gotten that much practice time. Blackman's only been on campus six or seven weeks, um, and as a result, uh, there were times when he showed he was a freshman uh, but I tell you what the upside the upside is big because there were times he showed
0: that big arm and showed a great touch We'll talk more about him in the offense. I personally would not put this game on Blackman's shoulders at not all. Enough. I think you could say that there were some offensive miscues in there. There were some key penalties. We'll get to offense in the next segment. Defense did not get some key stops, as we mentioned. Special teams had a missed field goal. So you win as a team, you lose as a team, and we'll try to break that down. But let's listen to the head coach and see what Jimbo Fisher had to say. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Head coach Jimbo Fisher, after yesterday's 27-21 loss to NC State.
3: First of all, i like to say congratulations in North Carolina State. I thought they competed very well. In the game, got a very nice football team, did the things they had to do to win in critical moments of the game and uh, played well. Our guys uh, played well at times in sections, didn't you know, just offense, defense, just couldn't when defense would get going, offense couldn't finish off a drive, offense get going, defense couldn't get the next stop, just mixed up in some things. I thought our special teams really played well today. We had a nice kickoff return, got some good, got a nice pump block. Uh, punted the ball extremely well. Uh, of course, we missed one field goal, but we hit four out of five. Wish we hadn't had to kick that many, but and we'll get that. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, made some nice kicks there. Uh, it was a big time when we did miss it because it would have tied the game, and then we give up a score. But at the same time, they were always one play ahead. We just, we didn't make the plays that we needed to make. And uh, like I say, I got to do a better job. Uh, you know, at the end we had a chance. To, to get down there and have a shot and uh, disappointed we dropped the ball and then got a missed a block on a third down and uh, had some guys open had a chance to make some plays thought the young quarterback James for the first game going out there and playing hit some nice big plays made some nice throws put his team in position uh, made one real nice touchdown throw on the first one uh, some of the other ones they covered did some things uh, we ran the ball at, went well at times and then the other times we didn't. we didn't finish drives in the red zone that's another big key we you know, usually we score a lot of touchdowns but we were five out of six but we only scored one touchdown got to finish that turnover we had a critical one, but we got it back with the points and you know, not a bad job for the first time going out there doing that. Uh, some of our young guys did that. Uh, had some uh, didn't get a couple signals, had to call a couple timeouts which I thought were costly in the game That was not with the quarterback uh, and I thought he did a nice job in that regard. One of them, he let the shot clock run down, but for your first game, only having one of those is pretty good. Uh, just guys, this line didn't line up where they were supposed to line up, but uh, there's a lot of good still there, but there's still plenty of bad and then we got to uh, get that cleaned up to have a chance to have a nice football team. It's been done around here before with this kind of start and uh, we just got to line up and go play don't, don't hang your heads now. Get ready to go work and get ready to go play Wake Forest and win a game on the road hopefully and play a real good team and line up and play next week. And we'll go.
0: Again, thanks to Seminoles.com. For complete coverage, you can log on and hear much more postgame. We'll have some of it for you coming up a little bit later in the program. But, uh, you know, Jimbo did not use uh, Rust uh, as an excuse. He, uh, When I talked to him on the postgame show on the radio network, he just said, hey, NC State's a good football team, and then pointed back the same direction that we've pointed here, which is some of the mistakes. Now, no question, you lose Aud and Tate. Uh, again, this sounds like excuse-making. It's really Just potentially reasons. You lose Auden Tate, you lose Matthew Thomas, you lose Jacob Pugh. Those are all factors.
1: Very much so, particularly with Tate, who had an outstanding first half, eight catches, 120, 130 yards in the first half alone. Uh, You lose two very key defenders uh, with Thomas going out with that back injury and Pugh with the ejection for the targeting foul, which, by the way, uh, save your emails and and save your your Twitters and your tweets. Uh, It's correct call. And whether you like it or not, Greensboro can make that call. That was a change that was made in the review process last year in 2016, where the folks sitting in Greensboro can notify the crew on the field. No flag thrown, but the Greensboro crew can notify them, look at a play, and if they deem that targeting occurred, they can make the call from there. And I say Greensboro not because that's where it came from. You had an on site uh, reviewer as well, but everything's coordinated with the ACC office. And by my interpretation of the rule, you backed me up, you did the research, Well, here's the here's, here's
0: the thing about it. It, it, it is legitimate. So, people con- construe targeting as it has to be helmet to helmet. That's not true. They can call targeting if you hit a guy in the face mask with your forearm like Jacob Pugh did. And they now do have the right to wherever the review is, not just the ACC, that's a national thing, to go back and call targeting if the on-field crew missed it. That said, When you consider that James Blackman, just like Francois last year, wore a few helmets right in the upper chest, neck, Maybe head area and was on his back sprawled out, and those targeting calls continue to not be called. And and then you're sitting somewhere else and you're going, well, and that wasn't even the quarterback, by the way. So you got to play where. And I realized targeting rule talks about defenseless, defenseless player, but you got somebody rolling out here. The linebacker makes a good play. He goes up to try and knock the pass down and comes down and hits him in the head. You saw the replay better than I do. That's where the problem is for me with targeting is that it continues to be enforced completely differently every game you watch.
1: The, the thing I would say, and I agree with you 100%, those are two separate arguments. Was it, was it not, in that case, it was. Were there other times it should have been reviewed, that also is the case it should have been. Right.
0: Yeah, you and I, uh, we'll, we'll spend Wednesday's show getting in this. Maybe we'll get our good friend Rogers Redding back on the program. He, of course, will tell us that it was the right call, because anybody who administers officials always says it was the right call. They always back the officials. All right, I'll remind you that uh, this program comes your way thanks uh, in part to the folks at Cush's Bayou Rouge. They've been in business over 16 years. They are uh, up on Thomasville Road. If you're heading north, they're on the left side. Uh, just past Cary Forest. Uh, it's a Cajun menu, which means flavorful, not hot, but they've got much more than just Cajun, and uh, I live on that side of town, so we spend a lot of time saying hello to Koosh and his folks up there. I encourage you to do the same Try thing. the muffins. There, <laughs> there you go. We'll step aside, come back. We'll talk offense first, and then we'll get fired up talking about officiating at some point in this program as we roll on here on Front Row Knolls Seminole Sunday.
2: Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Tom Block, Keith Jones back with you on Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday. We do this after each and every Florida State football game, home and away. It airs at 9 o'clock a.m. and 7 o'clock p.m. each and every Sunday. All right, we're trying to work our way through a 27-21 setback that leaves FSU at 0-2. Let's talk offense first here. James Blackman, as a true freshman, winds up going 22 for 38 for 278 yards and a touchdown. Was sacked four times. Uh, a couple of those probably are on him. But to be fair, I, you can't put this game on James, on James Blackman. His first half numbers were better than the second because Auden Tate went out. But uh, all in all, I thought he played pretty well. I do as well. Uh, He was 15-20
1: of in the first half, cooled off to 7-18, of I believe, in the second half, but he didn't have uh, tape. He also had a defense that blitzed a little bit more, by my estimation, in the second half than they did in the first half. But let's go back and start with the Florida State running game. Uh, When you look at the final statistics, uh, they run for over 100 yards, average about four yards a carry. The problem with the running statistics is there was never any consistency. They would get stopped, they'd get stopped, they'd get stopped, and then they'd pop one for 11. They get stop, stop, pop one for nine. Uh, You never had any real consistency in the running game and as a result, I, I, I think if you said you were going to throw Blackman 38 times, uh, that might number, Jimbo might tell you that's about where he thought it would be. I would tell you the book would say that's high. That's a pretty big number for a f- true freshman quarterback to try to put up uh, and be successful and win in a a game. So I think the running game you'd have to grade as being about average. They did okay, but they didn't do it in a consistent enough fashion where Jimbo could rely on it in his play calling.
0: You know, one thing about the receivers, and we'll get to the O-line. Let's talk receivers here right now because Tate has been very, very good this year. And as you and I are talking, we don't know how long he's out for. Uh, Nooney Murray has sort of been quiet. But George Campbell got a chance when Tate went down, and Campbell played very well. Now, he's a guy that has been highly hyped but has been injured, but three catches, 85 yards, had a 60-yarder, which, by the way, there was a horse-collar tackle there that was not called. And a face mask. Which was not called on that play, which would have taken the ball from the nine to half the distance, which would have helped. That's a drive where Florida State settled for a field goal. but the one thing I have been impressed with the receivers, there have not been drops this year from, you know, we're two games in. But, I mean, this has been a – they've been sure-handed.
1: The, the guys that had a drop or a couple of drops was Zizzo. Who, who Florida State did not target very much. I had thought going into the contest that that might have been the case. I, I, I'm sure Jimbo and the offensive staff saw on tape uh, that, uh, you know, Carolina, North Carolina State, rather, was going to take that away, and therefore, you know, they weren't there. Well, I think uh, they had to keep him in to help with the defensive I, was, ends. They had to keep him back that's in. That's exactly more. where I was going. He yeah. also had to help out uh, appropriately so uh, in pass protection. Uh, so that that was a given. But I, I thought, we talked about in the first segment, I thought Blackman played well. Well, he throws a very, throwing a pretty ball is not as important as people think, but he does throw a pretty ball. I mean, if you were in the NFL and had a camera on it, you know, just watching the ball through the air, it'd be pretty. Okay, yeah. you could put some ballet music to it, and it'd look good. Uh, it's a tight spiral, but he's very accurate. When he's not accurate, he's way not accurate. He is a true freshman, uh, but I thought he made good decisions. I uh, maybe one. Two times, uh, I think you would grade him as forcing the ball a little bit, uh, but the rest of the time he he went the right way. When the when it wasn't open, he threw it away where only the receiver could get it, and credit him for a couple of nice throws on those long uh, long throws and completions. Uh, both he and the receivers made good plays.
0: All right, Let's uh, as long as we're talking receivers, we'll save our conversation about the offensive line and the rest. This is uh, George Campbell, who I mentioned had three catches, and uh, he had a chance, or Lane Hurt had a chance to chat with him, Lane with Seminoles.com. Let's take a listen to uh, George's comments after the game yesterday.
4: Kind of sucks, you know, losing at all times, but, you know, we all competed and played well, and, uh, you know, we were short making plays. You know, a lot of people made mistakes. Myself, you know, other people also made mistakes. So, you know, it's always tough in those situations, but, um, you know, you can just look back on it from now just go back next week and execute and make sure that we fix everything that we missed.
5: Is it one of those things that you'll probably look back on and be like having three weeks off is it's not exactly into indu- into to coming out and and playing um, your
4: best? You know, you really can't use anything as an excuse. You know, we still practice. We still make sure we got it in, uh, you know, to get better for this week. Um, and coming up short, you know, you really can't have an excuse for it. You know, we came up short, we competed, we did everything we possibly could and, you know, we, we could have did more at the same time. So you really can't make an excuse for anything.
5: How do you think James played? I mean, some you know typical you know freshman mistakes, but he, he made a lot of really great plays as well.
4: Um, James is going to be a great player. You know, as he, he keeps developing and keeps learning. Um, you know, he played a great game. You know, you can't fault him at anything. He played a great game, and the team played a great game as well. And the offense backed him up, and, you know, we're still right there with him toe-to-toe.
5: I know we talked about it in the preseason, but what does it mean for you to be out there healthy and, and, and making plays?
4: Um, it just means a lot, you know, uh, just being able to get back out there and, you know, to give um, for my team, not just for myself, but for my team it feels great because, you know, a year ago I wasn't i wasn't doing this. And to be able to come back and do it now, it means a lot because I, I want to do anything I can to help the team.
5: What's the, the message going forward into next week in Wake Forest?
4: You know, basically just going to practice next week, um, Execute and making sure we, we do the right things um, on the field, off the field, to, to get ready and prep for that week. We also got to make sure we practice hard and, you know, go in there ready to practice and ready to get better.
0: Again, thank you to Seminoles.com. So, George Campbell with three catches, Naquan Murray had five, Auden Tate had nine, Keith Gavin had three. Saw more Gavin uh, really on the kick returns. He was not a big factor offensively. Let's talk about the offensive line. They allowed four sacks in this game and, and had what, three or four procedure penalties? Well, and that Derek Kelly, uh, really he was a captain for the game, and it wasn't just that he had procedure penalties. I, I, I swear and I'd need to pull the play by play, and I've not done that yet. At least two of them were third down that took a third and five or six to a, a third and manageable to a third and really not very manageable. They were key. I mean you'd say that about any of those penalties. Eberly had a five yard penalty for some sort of legal snap. Um, but how did you think they fared in terms of at the line of scrimmage? Not well, uh,
1: they did okay. But they didn't fare well. uh, Wolfpack was able to move the line of scrimmage. You know, as soon as as Blackman was handing off, that line of scrimmage had been reestablished a yard, yard and a half back. That's a credit to NC State's
0: well, defensive line. Well, we knew linemen. it. I mean, it's a top five and defensive exactly,
1: line. Yeah. Exactly. So there was no surprise there. Florida State had no success running. You know, we'll call it between the tackles, but I mean off of the guards up to the middle. The only success they had was when they could use their speed to get outside and then cut up field. But there just wasn't enough consistency there. And certainly when Florida State needed, needed to move and pound the ball, uh, it didn't happen. Four sacks... Um, you know that's a high number. You multiply that out in twelve game uh, season, that's forty eight. That would be cause for alarm. But again, you're going against a Wolfpack defense that's pretty good at it. They had six coming into the ball game, um, and a couple, one
0: or two of those you would probably, probably put on black. Well, the, the two I'm thinking of is the series where, and I don't recall exactly where it was, but they got sacked twice in a row in the red zone. Right. And and each of those, and and again, I, I'm on the I'm on the field. I haven't seen the replays yet at this point to go back and see who got beat or didn't get beat. But a seasoned quarterback, you can just throw that out of the back of the end zone and and live to fight another play. That's a very good point.
1: And, again, a seasoned, experienced quarterback, or at least a quarterback other than one game, uh, could possibly do that. And and I'll be honest with you, based on the performance and the thing I saw from James Blackman, he very well will do that next week. Uh, He seemed to, and Jimbo talked about how – Every time he came off the play, Jimbo would sit down with him, and and Randy Sanders would sit down with him, and they would talk about what he saw. And he was able to communicate exactly what he was seeing and what was happening. So it wasn't an intellectual or mental thing. It was just some occasional physical things that you would expect from a first-time starter.
0: Yeah, I thought Jimbo did a nice job Series 3. Series 2, he went three incompletions in a row. And Series 3, meanwhile the defense is on the field, Jimbo talks to him for a while and Randy Sanders talked to him for the whole time the defense was on the field then they come out and Jimbo, he mixed up his personnel groups, I mean he went one tight end, two backs, then he went two tight ends, one back, then he went four wide then they got in some third and fourth shorts so they went heavy, I mean it was was the 12 play drive that led to the touchdown and I bet they had six different personnel groups, five or six over that time, so I thought that was good, let me ask you uh, one more question about Blackman or one more point rather so the fumble was key I thought that based on what they ruled on the field, it, they were correct to not overturn it. But I do think that had they ruled it not a fumble in live action, they would have reviewed it and, and stuck with that as well. It was just that close. The ball was starting to come out a little bit, a nanosecond before the knee touched.
1: And again, you got to go back and, and understand whether you like it or not, what does the rule say? The rule says that there has to be indisputable video evidence to overturn the call on the field. And I echo exactly what you're saying. The call on the field was fumble. There was not enough video evidence to overturn that. If the call had been that his knee was down before the ball came out, there also would have not been Enough video evidence to overturn it, and I think that's that's exactly what we're talking about and if i'm Jimbo, when I go back and look at this tape i 'm thinking what Jimbo's going to see is there were several times maybe maybe as many as a as a dozen times on both offense and defense when Florida State was just that close to getting over the hump, but they didn't do it
0: problem is we're two games in and we said the same thing about the first game so that that is a significant question that's been raised all right we will uh, turn our attention to the defense when we continue on uh, this edition of front row Knowles seminal sunday
2: broadcasting from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row Knowles seminal sunday with tom block and keith jones brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith
0: Florida State Falls 27-21. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. So here's the thing, Keith. This defense to me, and I know NC State is very veteran and they got an accurate quarterback. This is a defense that going in I didn't think they would allow 27 points. I thought they would allow 17 to 20 points, uh, and had they – Florida State would have wound up with a win. Now, I, I had picked Florida State to win more in the 30-20 to 20 range, but for for as veteran a team as this is, there's some disappointing mistakes to, to reflect on.
1: The mistakes that were made were the types of mistakes that you would expect younger players to make. And, and while I know Derwin is a redshirt sophomore, he's going to get put in there too because on the long pass play, he, he just missed a tackle at midfield. Yeah, it was a big gain. It would have been a first down. They might have scored anyway, but but they definitely scored because Derwin missed that tackle. Uh, I believe Nate Andrews also missed the play on that, whoever was over there, uh, you know, guarding. They were right there, but they didn't make the play, and that same thing can be said on a number of times when runs skirted out of there. Uh, probably the most disappointing, you hate to look at one play, but the last possession, you know, it's third and nine, and basically NC State is conceding, to you. They're just running a sweep. It wasn't anything fancy. And they pick up 12, 13 yards, convert the first down, run the clock out. That's a play where you've got to be looking to your left and looking to your right. And you've got to be reminding yourself as a defense that they cannot convert this. There is no way they're converting this. And yet, they let it
0: happen. So let's talk about this. And again, you have the advantage of seeing some replays. Uh, if you're not too busy doing your your duties up in the booth, I didn't really see the replay on that. But I think that Derwin, you know, shot inside and it opened up the outside. Now I don't. I'm, I I wouldn't know without talking to Jimbo or the coaches. You know, did he miss the responsibility on that play, or who who opened up the outside? Why well,
1: I, I will tell you. I don't know the rule. I know the rule from 35 years ago. If I'm in that same situation as Derwin, the rule is if I'm taking on a back, I go upfield. If I'm taking on a lineman, I go inside. In other words, if I'm going to get overrun by a lineman, I want to bump that play outside. But if I'm going in and taking on a back... I want to take outside and force that runner back inside. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the tape. We'd have to ask Coach Kelly what the rule is. But another play in which Derwin was involved, again, not pinning all the responsibility on him, but that's that's just how close they were in, as I mentioned previously, 10 or 12 plays, but they didn't get it done, and that's the bottom line.
0: And that would have gotten them the ball back with roughly a minute, and who's to say what Florida no they would have done? They would have needed a touchdown. No guarantees, but... You would have liked to seen that chance. Jimbo, by the way, uh, said he contemplated the onside kick but just ultimately decided that they were going to need a stop anyway. Because, you know, if, if, you, if you do the onside kick and you don't get it, then NC State's almost in field goal range about to make it a two-possession game. Well, what happens is, if you want to think about it this way,
1: if you do the onside kick and you, you go three and out, you force them three and out, and they punt, you're very likely to have the ball inside your 20. Right. If you kick the ball deep and you hold them three and out and they punt, you're very likely fielding the punt on the 40 or 45 with an opportunity with McFadden to add some yardage onto that. So let's say he adds on 10 or 15. You actually end up with the ball on NC State's 40. Well, that's the 40 versus the 20. That's 50 yards of field last time I checked. So I, I, like Jimbo, would have contemplated the onside, and and I think he even commented to you that they thought about it seriously. I mean, it wasn't like it was even a passing thought. But the book says that if you're going to get the three and out, you're going to save 40 or 50 yards of field position if you kick
0: that ball deep. Obviously the fact Florida State was out of timeouts, Came back to bite him in that situation. Let's uh, check in with uh, Josh Sweat, uh, one of the defensive starters for Florida State, a veteran. A disappointing day for for the defense overall, as they give up 27 points and allow NC State to go four for four in the red zone. And and overall, the percentage of third down stops was pretty good, but the conversions on third and long was was not good. So here's Josh Sweat, and this is courtesy of Seminoles.com.
6: To be honest, it was a lot of misassignments on our part, and. You know, I know they capitalized off a lot of, you know, our mistakes. Uh, but at times, you know, I'm pretty sure guys could have made plays and been in the right places, uh, the place they were supposed to be in. And, you know, we just either weren't there or we just, like, missed the tackle or something like that. And, you know, nothing really frustrating about it. It is what it is. If we didn't make the play. We didn't make it, and they did. And like... If, if you know what I'm trying to say, uh, we just fell short and they did. Is it one of those things where the
5: long layoff wasn't exactly helpful for you guys?
6: No, it wasn't a layoff at all. Um, we practiced hard every day. I mean, every day. And I mean, we were ready to get back into it. It, it wasn't really a big conversion. You know, everybody was ready to go. It's. It was just like like I said, just too many missed opportunities, too many penalties, too like the discipline was well I'm not sure where it was. It, it just lost it. You know, but it had nothing to do with not being able to play. We practice hard against each other every day. We simulated games all the time.
5: As far as like you say some of the discipline things, what's the message going forward and, and how do you fix those those things before next week?
6: The highs, um knowing what you have to do first before you you know what I mean you know what you have to do you do your job you're in the right spot everybody's in the right spot i know it's easy to say but you know you'll, you'll probably be more successful you know your chances are definitely high um, as far as that many penalties and not taking care of the football all the time i don't i don't know where that is i don't know what that is and we will we'll do our best to to try to fix that.
5: You guys had to face a lot of adversity last year. Are you confident that this team will will be able to, to handle this well and, and, and come back stronger?
6: Yeah, most definitely. there's uh, one thing I know about them, my team, I'm always confident that we'll go back to practice, bounce back. You know, we lost, we fell short in on one last year. When we came back, did our thing the rest of the year. It was. I just, I just want to do it. I just want to do it a day. I want to keep it going the whole year. You uh, know. I just want to prove what I know my team can do and what we can do because that 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 I don't know, I don't know what to say about that I know what we can do, I know we'll bounce back, we'll practice hard, we'll be back. Josh Sweat,
0: a veteran. Obviously, thanks again to Seminoles.com. Florida State was missing a couple of veterans, though. Matthew Thomas with a back. And, you know, this, this year for him is already, after he put together that year last year, he missed so much time in August, came back, played well against Alabama. Now he's got this back thing. Uh, and then Jacob Pugh goes out, and that's two seniors. I mean, those are key guys.
1: And I didn't see Thomas's injury. You were down on the field. You had just uh, radioed uh, uh, and relayed back up to us that he was actually jogging off the field into the locker room. That looked like an equipment problem or some minor
0: problem if, they were going to check out if a trainer had not been walking in with them I would have thought for sure that uh, quite frankly he was you know nature was calling or he was going to get to replace a place of contact right right
1: but uh, such was not the case and uh, as we, again as you've mentioned previously as we sit here today we don't know the extent of that as well as the uh, injury to Alden Tate. Uh, we'll learn about that in the days to come uh, but yeah very disappointing uh, again coach Kelly plays a lot of guys so so losing someone and they would be the first to tell you, next man up's got to play, uh, but certainly there's a little bit of fall-off when you start using your, your upperclassmen starters, and that was the case for Florida State.
0: The Florida State uh, defense loses 27-21. to 21. Uh, Jimbo referred to it as eye violations there. Um, what else stuck out about how they how they played yesterday, well, and I, some of the mistakes that were made? I, I Keith? I
1: thought the effort was good. I wouldn't fault the effort. The one thing I would fault, and you would have a better feel for it than I uh, down there, but it didn't appear that there was anybody taking charge, at least verbally. Uh, to try to rally the troops or keep the troops pointed in one direction. Uh, I don't know if that's a factual statement on my part. I'm on the ninth floor. I'm looking down. But it just didn't seem like there was any um, anybody creating that sense of urgency. It looked like they were all going through the motions, going through them full speed and, and not backing down. But at some time, you're going to need that little extra effort, that little extra oomph. How many times we said that now? Three times now? Yeah. To get over the hump. And that never occurred in the 60 minutes of football.
0: Let me tell you something that I've seen in both games that uh, has alarmed me a little bit. Not not both of these things are defensive, but this is a more veteran team. And I thought against Alabama that when the game started to get away, guys started to press, i.e. tried to do too much, like Gavin on that return, DeAndre forcing a couple balls, instead of just doing your assignment and letting the play happen. So if you go to yesterday's game, We already talked about Derwin on that third down. Was it the right play or not? Uh, I'm talking about the last third down that NC State converted. Earlier in the fourth quarter, there was a play leading up to NC State's last touchdown where McFadden, instead of even attempting a tackle, stuck his hand in there trying, trying to strip the football. So, again, the point I'm making is you've got guys that, instead of trying to do their job, as Jimbo would say it, are trying to do more than their job, and that, more often than not, leads to problems rather than the the hero plays that you're trying to make
1: and that's also tommy a direct result of what game you're playing game two game two you know by game three or game four you get all that kind of stuff out of you theoretically Uh, another reason another uh, bad thing as a result of that 21 day layoff
0: all right florida state falls 27 to 21 we've uh got more to discuss special teams we'll get to that and maybe we'll continue our conversation about the officiating uh just because keith you and Can i we haven't be fine uh, we, we, I, I don't know i don't know Do we want to find out we don't want to find that okay out. uh we'll be back to put the wraps on this show right after this
2: front row Knowles seminal sunday is presented by hobson chevrolet of Cairo, georgia get your best deal the hobson way now back to tom and
0: keith All right, uh, a few more minutes here, Keith, to break down uh, what's been a breakdown for Florida State, uh, two games in a row now and before we get some more thoughts, I do want to thank Cush's again for uh, being a sponsor of Front Row Knolls Seminole Sunday. Told you about them and their location uh, earlier. They're open seven days a week for lunch and dinner, Wednesday through Sunday for breakfast. I get asked this question, by the way, Uh, some people uh, misconstrue or or don't realize that they are kid-friendly. Trust me, I have young kids. We go up there all the time. They have a kids night. They're kid-friendly. It's not like they're going to be eating something spicy off the menu. They've got plenty that uh, is on every other kid's menu in town, so they they handle that as well. Plus uh, the flavorful Cajun food. All right, uh, obligatory I guess discussion about special teams. They they clearly were better. Now there was a key missed field goal in the game that maybe ch- you know maybe changed how you manage the game at and the I end. I didn't
1: see that. How close
0: was it? Uh, you know, I make it a point to try and get behind the uprights on kicks, and so I was on. As he's looking at it, I was behind the left upright. He missed it to the right, so I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm 15 feet away from it, and it looked fairly close, but uh, you know I would still say five feet at least. It wasn't like it was six inches. Understood. Point being, I wasn't right behind the upright he missed it at. The good part was, though, the ball got up.
1: There was no danger on any of those that I saw, including the one extra point. There had been effort and work on getting the ball up and over that line as opposed to shotgunning
0: right. it. So, and He went four for five, so... Uh, my concerns, granted, it's one game, but he got the ball up, to your point. The punter was better. The first punt was not good. After that, punted pretty well. Very well, actually. Very well, actually. Florida State blocked a punt in this game. At a crucial time when NC State, the last thing they wanted was a blocked punt. And FSU got one from Brian Burns. Derwin James uh, squirted out. Now, that was after the safety, so it's a little bit unconventional there. Um but, but I thought overall the, the, the special teams took a step forward. I, I agree. And, and McFadden
1: caught punts. Exactly. Balls didn't hit the ground, that type of things. Pardon me. Um, I don't think you pinned this one uh, on on special teams at all. Uh, certainly, it'd have been great to have a, a, a return for a touchdown. Uh, you, you almost got something close to that with Burns' punt block, um, but you know you can't rely on your on his pick six or a, or a punt return or a kickoff return to win ball games. Uh, you've you've got to win those ball games and then go over the top with with uh, special team play. Uh, the special teams played well enough to win, uh, so I'm not faulting them in any way shape,
0: form, or fashion. You know, one thing the defense has not done through two games is force a turnover. Not. That's not good. Not at all. Uh, do you think Florida State needs to be more aggressive defensively? I think there's a legitimacy that they could ratchet it up. The
1: problem is, the problem is when they ratchet it up because of issues like eye discipline and things like that, when you go one-on-one on the outside, particularly with a passer that is as accurate as Finley was, I mean, he threw some balls into some tight spaces in the intermediate routes between 8 and 15 yards. There were guys draped all over those Wolfpack receivers, but he put the ball right in there. You play too much of that, you challenge him too much, cheat your eyes back inside, and then you get beat deep for a big one. And though he is very accurate, he's got a strong enough arm to get the ball down the field. It's a cat-and-mouse game. I didn't feel like they blitzed much yesterday. Am I mistaken in that? I, I think that's accurate. I'd have to go back and look at the tape, but I, I think that's accurate because I thought, they thought, they could get enough pressure on him, and he gets or, the ball out so quick I think it does I
0: think that's probably more of it if you're Charles Kelly. You don't want to waste an extra guy or two blitzing because he's going to get gonna the ball get out anyway. anyway. So they opted to go, there, and that's probably the answer to why they did that. I do think, generally speaking, that... You know, this is not the NFL where you have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and guys that have seen everything and can beat you if you do it. These are guys that are limited to 20 hours a week. And generally speaking, I think being assertive probably – You know, there's less risk in the college game of doing it because you're forcing guys that just aren't as skilled to make quicker decisions and maybe make mistakes. I agree.
1: Uh, Finley, however, is a transfer
0: student with a degree from Boise. And their (laughs) offense is not one that fits that bill. He's a little different cat than uh, the ones you would normally face. So where do you go from here if you're Florida State? I mean, this is a season that uh, we talked about should they play the Alabama game? Should they not? Because, you know, there was a chance you're going to get a loss. Well, they got a loss there. Well, now is there margin for error? You know, if you lose two, do you have a chance? And the discussion kind of went, well, maybe if you lose at Clemson and you lose by three points. Now, now you're, you're 0-2. You can't even look at that. Well, you throw all that out. You're you're now back to the process, which is to play
1: every game, let it stand alone, let its result be its thing. There is absolutely no sense any of us fretting or worrying or trying to predict what are the ways that what does Florida State gotta do now to get into the playoff? Doesn't matter. Right now, what's Florida State gotta to do to beat Wake Forest? And then if you're victorious against Wake Forest, what do you gotta do against Miami? That's all an O two does for you. Forget about the
0: future. Focus on the present. Period, the end. Well, and Wake Forest is next. And who would have thought Florida State O-2, last time that happened? The guy who was the last quarterback to start as a true freshman, Chip Ferguson, was – oh, no, he wasn't. It was 89. He had gone in 88, so it was PT. But the Knolls started 0-2 that year, obviously finished strong. You, you All you have to do is look back a year ago. Florida State was 3-2 and and wound up with 10 wins and winning the Orange Bowl. So there, there's a lot still out there. But for a team that had a lot of hype, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the polls are going to say. They may say Florida State's unranked this week. It's immaterial. I mean,
1: it's off of my radar. I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be one of the ones you you can echo it with me or kick me in the shin. But I'm the ones that's going to be talking about. We've got to make sure that you play one game at a time. And it wasn't all bad. There were some nice performances in that ball game. And it's time now for a Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. And we're going to hand that one to Brian Burns with his punt block in the fourth quarter. Uh, it came in the fourth quarter for. Florida State was not able to convert it into seven, but they got three out of it. Uh, and it was a big, big turning point, potential huge turning point in the ball game. And of course, our Prime Meridian performance of the game is bought through by Prime Meridian Bank. If you're shopping for a home mortgage, try my bank for the best rate the first time. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. In MLS number thirty nine thirty six twenty. See the folks down there; they'll do you right.
0: All right, let's go back to a question I didn't fit into the offensive uh, segment, Keith, and it is: We're two games in now to the to the running back situation, and maybe this question comes because for the last two years it was atypical, and that Dalvin was out there every play, uh, to the point where it was the questions were: Is he running Dalvin too much? Now we're sort of in this. You see Jaques one time, you see Cam Akers another time, you see Rasul. And maybe it's because all their skill sets are so differing. the, The bottom, the main question I'm asking here is do you need to settle on one guy that's playing two out of three or three out of four series and then you go to the other guy?
1: Well, it's how you get there. Right now, through two games, nobody's separated themselves. So I think what you've got to do is continue doing it the way you're doing it and rely upon one of the kids to elevate his play to the point where he is three out of four series or something of that nature. I don't think either one of them has done enough to separate themselves from the other so that they deserve the majority of the carries. That's still a work in progress, uh, and I'm not saying that either one of them have failed. They certainly have played well in times, but neither has done enough. Either one has done enough to separate him from the other and make Jimbo comfortable and confident in handing him the ball the majority of the snaps. What else have we missed? (laughs) Well, I think managing disappointment. We talked about being disappointed after the Alabama game. We're certainly disappointed now. Uh, But now is not the time to to, um, hang people in effigy. Now is not the time to throw sticks and stones uh, or call people's names out. What about Uh, if it's the officials? Well, that's a whole different discussion. (laughs) Uh, We can do that. Uh, But now is the time to refocus and to support this squad and understand that the mission that the coaches have, the mission that the players have now, is one game at a time, You've got to get on the on the bus, go to the airport, fly to Winston-Salem, and you've got to win a ball game up there. However, you have to. It can be ugly, it can be pretty, it can be 9 to nothing, it can be 59 to 7. It doesn't matter. The only thing this team needs right now is a victory next week and then we'll go from there.
0: And that will be start number two for James Blackman. His very first road start will come at Wake Forest. So FSU at uh, 0-2. We don't have enough time to do justice to the penalty uh, discussion right now, but I feel confident that we can do that on Wednesday at 6. I think that's
1: karma telling us we probably should stay away from it.
0: Six penalties on NC State, 11 on FSU. See, I couldn't stay away from it. I had to throw it out there. To be fair... A false start is a false start, no matter the officiating. Everybody sees that. And that's about what the difference was in in the penalties. All right, he's Keith. I'm Tom. We do this each and every Sunday. airs at 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. Our regular show year-round is 6 o'clock on Wednesdays right here on 97.9. If you don't already, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes so that this loads automatically. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. So long.